Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. But this morning on her way to us, she opened this closet door, looked around this corner, opened this cabinet. She was, help me understand, she knows. She knows what mom was doing. She knows there are presents in the house that were not here yesterday. Uh, a lot of people are searching for presents. Today I want to talk to you something that sounds like presents, but it's not. And the way I talk, you have to listen really carefully. Today I'm not talking about the presence of Jesus. I'm talking about the presence. Of Jesus. I'm not sure if you can hear that difference, but there is a difference between presence under the tree and the presence of Jesus that is available to us all the time. How many understand you can be in a room full of people like this and still feel alone? You can be surrounded by people and just be keenly aware that no matter how many people are present, you're just like hammered with the grief of the one that's missing. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been separated because of of death from loved ones. Others of you look around this room, you know what it's like to be separated, not because your loved one has passed away, but because maybe they're deployed on the other side of the of the world, that's the reality for several of our military families in the room today. You know exactly what that's like, and I'll just take a time out to say thank you for your service. Thank you for, for, for enduring, not just uh, sacrificing to go, but for those that had to stay. Thank you for doing all that for our country. Other of us, others are separated because family members have moved away, and for financial reasons or schedules, you just can't get together. We all know what it's like to have the presence of someone we love be absent. But Christmas is a celebration of the presence of God coming to earth. That song we just sang declares what Scripture says about Jesus. You will call him Emmanuel because he's, he's what? He's God with us. He's God not apart from us. He's not God far off. He's not God separated from us. He's not God divorced from us. He's God with us. In a very real way, Christmas declares that you will never be alone again. You may feel lonely, but you're never alone. I want to say that again. You may feel lonely. But loneliness is really just a lie for the believer because God is with us. God is with us. Matthew chapter 11, let's look at the scripture. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Let me understand the Christmas story almost got derailed. Right? But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth 
to His Son, and you to give Him the name Jesus, because He'll save His people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they'll call Him Emmanuel, which means, can we say those three words together this morning? Mark said, go, God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Father, we love you. We thank you for every person in the room today. We pray that you will be with us. You will comfort us, guide us, protect us, convict us, because those are all the different things the presence of God does every single day. I pray that specifically for those today who, who are experiencing fear, loneliness, heaviness this Christmas season. I pray that your Holy Spirit would remind us that though we may feel alone, that God, you're with us. Help me today to speak what you want spoken. Help us to hear what the Holy Spirit of God would say to us, and we'll give you thanks for it. Everybody in the room said amen. Before I jump back into the text, let me remind you that today is Pastor Crystal and Adam's last Sunday with us leading Kids Church today, and so at the end of our service, I've invited them to come. Uh, They're going to be saying farewell to all of our kids today, but we wanted to give them an opportunity to say farewell to you personally, and also give you a moment to love on them, hug them, tell them a great big thank you, amen, for all that they have poured into our young people the last three or four years, and so um, I'll be stopping what I'm doing in a few moments to welcome them, and, uh, and so just uh, when they come in, you'll know what's going on. But when we celebrate Christmas, we're not just celebrating an event that happened once upon a time. We're celebrating a reality that God is with us today. The sound of Christmas, Tommy just sang about this morning, is that He is God with us. He's, he's Emmanuel. He's with us. That's a great gift this season. So Christmas is a celebration of God's presence coming to humanity in a closer way than ever before. I like what the message uh, paraphrase Bible says from John's Gospel. Uh, The paraphrase from the message says that, uh, that the Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That's that's his description of the birth of Jesus, is that God went from being far off to right in our neighborhood. He moved in among us. He is God with us. And today I want to talk to you about how the reality of Emmanuel, that God is with us, how that can change your life, how it should change our lives. I think there's four ways that Emmanuel can and should change our lives. I want to give you those four real quick this morning. Number one, Emmanuel should bring comfort despite our circumstances. Now, Christmas is a time of comfort. I like to enjoy specific comfort food at Christmas time. Um, I like comfort. I mean, anybody in the room just like comfort? I was talking with some people before, before church today that we were talking about how, as some of us have gotten older, we are willing to trade a, a little bit of style for comfort. Right? I was admiring some of our teenagers' shoes this morning. And I made the comment that those were so stylish. But when I go shoe shopping, style is like, it's, a, it's like an extra benefit. 
But what I'm shopping for is comfort. I want my life to be comfortable. Anyone else? Right? Can I tell you, when the presence of God came into Mary and Joseph's life, their life did not get more comfortable. The first Christmas made these kids' lives, Mary and Joseph, it made them everything but comfortable. It made them scandalous. It made them the talk of the town. It made people wonder about them that never wondered about them before. There was nothing about the external of Mary and Joseph's life that brought them comfort, but yet we find that they experienced the comfort of God despite their circumstances. Did you know that you can have the comfort of God despite your circumstances? You can have the peace of God despite your circumstances. You can have the hope of God despite the hopelessness of this world. Well, how does that happen? It happens when you realize He's God, Emmanuel. He's with us. He's not apart from us. He's with us. The outside may be defined by storms and hardship, but the inside there's a peace that passes your understanding. See, I've discovered that presence makes scary places less scary. When my kids were a little bit smaller, they wanted me to go with them everywhere. To the closet, to the other side of the house, to the backyard. If Megan and I can't go with them, they would say, can we take the dog with us? Because the presence of anything, anyone, made this scary less scary. Christmas was not a great time of comfort for Mary. I think it would be fair to say it was scary. She was found to be pregnant with child without a husband. That was a scary condition to find yourself in. It was scary for Joseph to to, to be in a a situation where people are going to assume that that he's the father of, of the child. But instead of being instead of being ruled by fear, they can they found comfort. Well, how do you know? Pastor, how do you know they were comforted? Because People who are, I don't have a better word for this, I should, but people who are freaking out don't sing. And if they do, their song is more like country music, right? Gloom, despair, and agony agony on me. But that's not the song or the attitude that Mary was displaying. She gave... Verse 38 says, she gave thanks to God. She rejoiced. She said things like, Lord, be it unto me, your servant, just as you've said. She had discovered Emmanuel was making the impossible times possible, the difficult times passable because he was Emmanuel. He was God with them. If you do a quick survey of the Bible, you'll discover that God was with people in uncomfortable places. Remember Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? They discovered the fourth man in the fire. He was with them, though they didn't know him. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that at his first arraignment, when he was first being questioned and persecuted, brought before trials, he said these words, no one stood by me. He said, no one came to my defense. He said, but the Lord was with me. 
The psalmist said in Psalms 139, this way, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings, you're there. If I lay down on the other side of the sea, wherever I go, you're there. Hebrews says it like this, never will he leave you or forsake you. That's the presence of God. So despite your discomfort today, you can enjoy the presence of God. Number two, Emmanuel inspires boldness despite our fears. Joseph had a big, a big fear problem. He was afraid of what this pregnancy, this God revelation that Mary shared with him, that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says this about Joseph. He's honorable, but he's fearful. He was about to check out on Mary and the baby Jesus. He's about to, he didn't want to see Mary persecuted. So he was going to set her to the side because he was afraid. How do I know he was afraid? Because the angel said to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your Wife, he was afraid to do that, so he's going to do something else. But Emmanuel, when you realize God is with you, you can find the boldness to follow God despite your fears. Did you know, parents, all the school teachers in the room are about to say amen or oh yeah. Parents, did you know that your kids act differently when you're not around? All the teachers in the room are like, yep. Mm-hmm. Your teacher, your, your, your student, little Johnny, acts differently when you're present than when you're not present. The next time the teacher calls your house and says, little Johnny was pulling little Susie's hair, give her or him the benefit of the doubt that they might be telling you the truth about your child. Because when you're not around, <laughs> when you're not around, your presence influences their actions. Why am I bringing that up? Because the presence of God influences our actions. We act differently when we know His presence is with us. We act differently when we know others are watching us. How many say you act differently when you know someone's watching you? I remember a few years ago, me and some folks from the church were on a canoe trip. And we were canoeing down, I don't even know what river it was, but we were canoeing down the river and there was this tree leaning out over the the river and it had some spikes nailed on the side of it and something that someone probably called a platform. It was really just two or three two-by-fours on the top of it. And there's these guys in their 20s and they were climbing that tree. They get up that little platform, get on this rope, they swing out to the middle of the river, they let go, drop 30 feet and they do it again. And we're in a canoe, not a speedboat. So I get to watch this happen over and over again while we're getting closer and closer. And all of a sudden, one of the guys said, Hey, Pastor, I bet you couldn't do that. That's all I needed. (laughs) Without hesitation, I went from my boat, climbed that tree, which is a miracle, by the way, (laughs) got to the platform, rope in hand, and somehow I got to that position where I realized... What am I doing? 
Like, how did I? I got from the boat to the rope fast. But now I'm like, I'm not going to do this. But there's the guys in the boat below, these 20-year-olds coming up the tree, and I'm just like, by George, I am not bailing out from bailing from this tree. And so I did what I would normally never do because the presence of someone else was with me. Can I tell you the presence of God is different though? The presence of God doesn't just talk you into doing what you would normally never do. It gives you the power to do what you normally couldn't do. That's the presence of God. He doesn't just give us the boldness. He gives us the ability. He, he, he comes upon Joseph and he says, don't be afraid to do what you're afraid to do because I'm with you. Following the word of God, by the way, in any area of your life, simple obedience to God is rarely simple. You can write that down take it to the bank again. Simple obedience to God is never simple. It may seem simple. It may sound simple. But when the rubber meets the road, it's going to require boldness to go against what seems natural and reasonable to you. What seemed natural and reasonable to Joseph was let's find a way to get out of this. Let me divorce her quietly. Let me not, I don't want to shame her. I don't want her to be persecuted. Let me just get out of this. But instead of bowing out, Joseph boldly stepped up. I'm praying, God, let, let, let you be seen with us because men of the church of God today, instead of bowing down to whatever's comfortable, we're willing to stand up because we know he's with us today. That's what Emmanuel does. He does us, he gives us the boldness to stand up. When others would step out. You know, Paul said this in Corinthians 16. He was ministering at Ephesus. And he said, things are not, uh, things are not easy. This is not comfortable. There are many people who oppose what I'm doing. But then he says, but I think I'll stay. Because the Lord has opened the door of effective ministry. Sometimes we think God's presence and easy go together. But Paul said, I'm effective, but it's hard. But I'm going to stay because the presence of God is greater than the power of the enemy. What the enemy may stop to do, stop from happening, is no match for what God wants to happen. When I stay in faith and I walk by faith and not by my feelings. It's amazing how many times people had to overcome their fear and able to be faithful, but it wasn't until they were faithful that God's power showed up. How many understand, if you reread the crossing of the Red Sea by the children of Israel, go back and reread that. You do understand that they didn't hit the remote control and the waters part and then step in. Right? You know what they did? They stepped in and the waters parted. Too many times we're afraid of getting our feet wet. When the Lord says, just trust me. Remember, I'm God. I'm Emmanuel. I'm not God away from you. I'm God 
for you. If I tell you to step in the water and then it's going to part, don't sit on the bank waiting for the waters to part. Take a step into into the sea and watch the waters part. Uh, I love that God's with us. Number three, Emmanuel with us means that he's on the scene and he's guiding us. If you were to read down to Matthew chapter 2, verse number 11, you'll discover how God didn't just direct and guide Joseph to marry Mary and be the father to Jesus. He also continued to to guide Joseph. He would show up in a dream, and guide Joseph to lead his young family from the familiar places of Bethlehem and Nazareth to, to, to Egypt, and then guide them again from Egypt back to the Holy Land in, in order to keep Jesus, A, safe, and B, in line with Scripture. But here's the thing. Emmanuel guides us. He guides our lives. Not just one time, over and over again. There, there's, a, um, there's a gentleman who's pretty famous in our land right now who I've just really, really um, gained admiration for. And I'm, He's a political figure in some people's eyes. That's not why I'm such a fan of his. And that is, that is Dr. Ben Carson. How many know who Dr. Ben Carson is? Uh, surgeon, ran for president. I don't know, eight years ago, a while ago, and that's when he kind of came on my radar, but he's been speaking at a, at a lot of churches the last couple of years as he's uh, doing whatever it is he's doing. He still practices medicine. He was a renowned neurosurgeon, uh, really famous for uh, operations he did on, uh, on babies and um, uh, young children. He just, he's brilliant. If you just listen to him talk for five minutes, you realize he knows a lot more words than, than you know and I know for the most part. Um, I just love listening to him talk, but he—he's brilliant. And he and he was—he was talking about how he was raised in poverty, single mom, not a lot going for him. When he tells his story, but as a young man, he was struggling academically, and he was in school one day, and he was faced with a chemistry test. And he was just overwhelmed because he knew he was about to, to bomb this test and it was going to be, you know, devastating for his grade and perhaps, you know, a lot of stuff on the line. He just felt totally overwhelmed and unsure. And he said he just began to pray urgently and fervently for guidance. And he said the moment he prayed for God's guidance in that test, and I'm kind of reading part of his stuff here as I tell you the story. But here's what he said. He said, the minute I prayed, he said, or during that prayer, he said, I felt a certain surge of clarity and confidence. And he said, when I took that chemistry exam as a young man, he said, I had this internal assurance. And he said, to my surprise, I discovered that not only did I pass the test, I excelled on that test. And he said, that marked a significant turning point in my life academically. From that point on, he would sense the Lord guiding him as he studied medicine. 
He said as an adult, later on as he became a neurosurgeon, he said over and over again, he said, I would be presented, and if you know his story, he said, I'd be presented with these impossible surgical cases. And I would just pray. Here's his words. And there were moments where I knew I was being guided by divine intervention. I'm thankful that God doesn't just guide people in Bible stories. And he doesn't just guide preachers and teachers. He'll guide neurosurgeons. He'll guide anyone who will call upon him. Why? Because he's Emmanuel. He's God with us. And there's nowhere we can go that he's not there to guide our lives. Isn't that wonderful? Point four isn't quite so wonderful. Here's the fourth thing about Emmanuel. He speaks conviction to our lives. If you want to rejoice over the fact that he leads us, guides us, comforts us, then you have to also embrace the fourth thing, is that he speaks to us about our lives. You know, the first John chapter 3, verse number 8 and 9, one of my favorite scriptures when it comes to Christmas, even though it's not really part of what people would call the Christmas story, it kind of tells us why the Christmas story happens. It says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the enemy. Why do we celebrate a baby in a manger? Because he came to destroy the work of the enemy in my life. That's why he came. He didn't come to be cute and coddly. He came to destroy the enemy's work in your life and my life. That's why Jesus came. And his presence doesn't just guide us. His presence, the presence of Jesus, highlights our sin. Did you know the presence of Jesus never excuses our sin? It highlights it. Well, why does the presence of God highlight sin? Because he came to destroy the sin. But he can't destroy what you want give to him. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I'll put this on the screen for you. He said this, The nearer a man gets to God, the greater he sees his own sin. I've talked to people and said, well, I just, you know, I just, Pastor, I just, I just don't think this is a big of a deal. God just isn't bothering me with this thing that the Word says is sin. Can I tell you, that is not evidence that God is okay with that. That is evident instead that you have backed away from God so far that you are not hearing what the Spirit of God says. Isaiah chapter 6. There's the, the account. I won't read it all to you, but Isaiah found himself in the presence of the Lord. And what was Isaiah's response? He said, oh, woe is me. I'm a man of what? Unclean lips, and I live among unclean people. The presence of God did not excuse his sin. The presence of God highlighted his sin so that it could be cleansed from sin. God can't cleanse us from the sin we want to admit. 
And He can't cleanse us from the sin that we excuse. We cannot see the joy of Christmas without coming face to face with our need for a Savior. But the presence of God, it highlights our sin so that it can also highlight our opportunity to see a Savior. Number five, Megan, if you want to come, Emmanuel brings hope. Luke chapter 2 says they hurried to the village. They found Mary and Joseph, speaking about the shepherds. They found him just as was promised. They said all these wonderful things about Jesus. They talked about all the wonderful things the angels had promised the shepherds. Many people were rejoicing. But verse number 19 of Luke 2 says that Mary kept these things in her heart and she thought about them often. Do you know how you keep hope alive in your own life? As you ponder the Word of God. She thought about them often. The presence of God is most recognized, not by the condition of our outward circumstances, but rather us giving God a chance to show Himself present. I'll ask you to bow your heads this morning as we get ready to close. Can I tell you, Christmas is evidence that God desires to be present in your life. He desires to give you comfort when life is uncomfortable. He desires to give you boldness despite your fears. He desires to lead and guide your life. Some of you are sitting here this morning, you could, if, if you could rerun the last five years of your life, you you. You say, Pastor, it's undeniable how God has guided me in ways I wasn't even aware of. He's Emmanuel. He guides us. But he's also Emmanuel who convicts us of our sin. One thing I've discovered is I don't get to pick and choose when God is with me. He's always with me. He's with me when I think he is. He's with me when I don't feel him at all. And he's always trying to lead me and guide me. He's also always trying to convict me of anything that is not pleasing to him so I can become more and more like him. And he continually brings hope to situations that I might think are hopeless. Today there's two, two prayers I want to pray. Number one, I want to talk about the conviction of God's presence first. One of the differences between conviction and condemnation, a lot of people don't understand the the difference. Let me give you a 15-second snapshot. Conviction is the Word of God that exposes the areas of our lack and weakness for the purpose of reconciling our hearts to God. It's an exposure of the distance between us and God so that we can come closer to Him once we surrender whatever it is that's created that distance. As to where condemnation, it highlights perhaps the same sin or the same fault or the same weakness, but the motivation is to push us further away instead of drawing us near. It could be the same sin, but the the conviction of God is different than the condemnation that sometimes the enemy and sometimes even people 
put upon us. Today, I want to ask you to make room for the conviction of the Lord. Not because someone has said something to you or you feel like a group of people have said something, but the conviction of the Lord, you're you're responding because the Lord is speaking to you about something in your life that maybe other people say is fine or other people say is wrong. It doesn't really matter what other people say. What matters is what is the Word of God saying? What is the Spirit of God saying to you this morning? Say, Pastor, there's some, some areas of my life that I am, the Holy Spirit is highlighting to me today that I know I need to surrender to Him. I know I need to welcome His transformation in my life today. If that's you today, I want to know to pray for you. Maybe you're coming to the Lord for the very first time or maybe you've been a Jesus follower and He's just He's just exposing to you personally some areas that you need to surrender to Him fresh and new. Either way, if that's you today, I would love to just know to pray for you. I'm not going to call you forward. just want to know to pray for you in a personal time of prayer. Would you just lift a hand real quick? Let's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen. Just this morning, the Holy Spirit of God is convicting me. Amen. 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 We're going to pray in just a moment that that conviction will be traded for a new assurance as you follow the Lord, follow His commands. Make no room for the enemy. Father, I pray for my friends who lifted their hands right now. Lord, some of them may be brand new to this thing called faith. Others of them have been walking with you for a season. But the one thing we all have in common is that you've spoken to them about things in their heart that's not right with you. God, I pray that this morning, that they would continually surrender those parts of their lives to you. Despite what others may say is wrong or right or indifferent, Lord, we want to please you. You're our aim. You're our focus. Our life is to please you. Father, I'm thankful that the word reminds us in 1 John that if we confess our sins, you're faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from everything that's not right. So God, let's pray that transformation will happen as people are giving their lives to you this morning, fresh and new, perhaps for the very first time. Secondly, church family, just this private moment, if you need... God with us today. You need Emmanuel to be that guiding force. You need Emmanuel to be that comforting solution in the midst of uncomfortable circumstances. You need him to be that present reality when others seem to be absent. I want to pray for you this morning as well. So Father, I pray for my friends today who are battling, maybe they're battling loneliness, maybe they're battling uh, discomfort, maybe it's fear. Lord, you had to give Joseph some boldness to step out and trust you in areas of our life. There may be a couple here today that they've just been, they've been, they've been weighing the evidence, they've been weighing pros and cons. When you're asking them to put down the considerations of pros and cons, instead you're challenging them to be obedient. And trust you with the results. God, I pray you'll give them the boldness and confidence to walk out, trust you with their whole heart. In Jesus' name, amen. And God bless you. Would you give the Lord a hand clap for his word today? We love you, Jesus. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.